0: Welcome to the Wanderlearn podcast and welcome to my brand new microphone. Thanks to my buddy, Eric Stratman, the same guy who made the theme song for this podcast. If you ever listen to that jingle, that is Eric Stratman's invention. In fact, he's a guy who's done nearly a hundred movies in Hollywood. He does the sound and music. And so I really treasure him as a friend. I've known him since high school. He's been one of my best friends ever. And he was nice enough to give me this microphone, which I actually I gave to him for a project he did to, for me. So anyway, it's a long story. But anyway, for you, all that matters is that you got some good audio quality now. Unfortunately, this episode is going to have terrible audio quality because I forgot to use this microphone when I was recording it. I did it over Skype effectively, actually over Zoom. And I was calling up the guys at Winding Tree... Because I got a comment from a guy named Colin, and I like to respond to people's comments here on the podcast. And he goes off and wrote like four paragraphs about why that whining tree episode sucked. He said, the episode is absurd. The guest was poor at explaining whining tree. And it has nothing to do with living in the moment. So far removed from traveling. It's has nothing to do with through hiking. I don't understand why you posted. It It felt like an advertisement. How does winding tree benefit anyone? You, we get snake oil answers like everyone benefits collaboration, innovation. I, you know, I agree with Colin that the winding tree guys are not the best at explaining. You know, I was talking with Max, who's the co-founder because He's an engineer, and unfortunately, one of the downsides of engineers is that they often are not good at communicating with the layperson. So I brought Max back on to address some of the issues that Colin has, and that's what this episode is about, is kind of an answer to Colin's critique, and Colin had other things to say, too. And I just want to have some back and forth with you guys, my listeners, because here it is in the early stages, and I do appreciate the criticism and I'll bring up Collins' issue which is why you know this has nothing to do with traveling living at the moment through hiking that kind of stuff which is kind of my bread and butter right it's true but I also do like technology and this podcast in the end is kind of me wandering and learning about everything. And how does technology and travel merge? How do they get impacted by each other? And so I'm sorry if it doesn't interest everybody. I don't expect every episode to interest everybody. Just don't download the episode if it's not your cup of tea. But when I have uh, a chance to find out about transformative technology, I'm going to cover it, especially if it hits travel. And so I think... It's an industry that, you know, blockchain technology is something that very few people understand. I don't claim to be an expert, but I think it is my opportunity here to educate some people about blockchain and how that might impact their life, because just like in 1995... The Internet seems strange, like, what's a browser? What are we doing? What is this all about? It seems so esoteric. And even Facebook, when it first came out, social media, wait, you just want me to post on somebody's wall? What's a wall? On and on. Technology, when it first comes out, seems so ludicrous and doesn't seem to make any sense. Cryptocurrency is the same thing that we sometimes say, ah, it's never going to work. But in fact, sometimes it does. Not all the time. And maybe this blockchain stuff will flounder. I don't think so. Maybe cryptocurrencies will collapse. I don't think so. But it's possible. But I think at least let's try to understand it for those who are interested in becoming on the get on the leading edge. So without further ado, I'm just going to turn off here and we're going to go straight into my call, which was also recorded on video. I put it up on YouTube between the two co-founders of Winding Tree, uh, Max Maxime Ismailov, as well as Pedro Anderson. And they have kind of a loose conversation that all started off with Colin's comments. So check it out. I apologize for the audio. It's not that great. I'll work on it in the future. And there's one more thing I want to add And that's that people check out my Patreon, especially my $25 reward, because to me, it makes no sense if somebody likes what I'm doing and wants to help me out, why they don't sign up for the $25 reward. It is the biggest no brainer out there. Okay, instead of buying shit from Amazon or from eBay or from wherever you're getting it, you just get it from me instead. That's it. And so if you send me $25 a month, that's $300 a year. I send you $300 worth of stuff, stuff that you want anyway, stuff that you would buy online anyway. So why wouldn't you sign up for the $25 reward? It's so simple. I mean, unless you really prefer giving it to Jeff Bezos or to other, uh, you know, Walmart, if that's your kind of thing, then great. But if you kind of want to help out the the little guy who's making podcasts (laughs) or writing books, you know, this big moneymaker that I'm doing here. If you want to kind of help out that project, well, then sign up for the $25 reward a month. It's nothing. And then you get basically a bunch of free gifts. Well, not free. Of course, you're paying for it. But you're you're getting useful things that you would want anyway delivered from me to your door. And isn't that great? Isn't that worth something? Anyway, check it out. And by the way, I'm having a promotion. You will have a at least a $100 gift by this Christmas of 2018. So there you go. That's an incentive to sign up today. All right. Talk to you later. You got to do it by December 15th. That's the only deadline. Bye. Welcome to a mini Wanderlearn podcast episode. I'm here uh, with the co-founders of Whining Tree and Max and Pedro. And I wanted to have them address one of the comments that came in on my podcast. And the guy, he basically, I'll just read what he says. He said that, If travelers are going to pay with these tokens, these leaf tokens, what's in it for me? Traveler, why should I use tokens instead of cash or credit cards? Why should I care that the token carries data around? It's my data. I don't want others to have it. In this day of privacy concerns and the lashback against Facebook, it's stupidly out of touch to complain that airlines don't get all your data if you book through an intermediary. So he's got some other questions, but go ahead, uh, Max and Pedro. To how do you address that first basic issue? There?
1: I guess I can take a, a whack at it. So um, this is one of the subjects that comes up a lot at um, data conferences and discussions about data privacy and so on, which is kind of like the wild west. There's really no regulation around how data is used, right? And I remember at one of the events I was at where uh, data miners were discussing this, they were discussing uh, millennials and how millennials don't like being tracked, right? Um, the the issue. the the conclusion they came to is not that uh, Millennials don't like being tracked. They actually give data freely to certain brands that are good at using that data, right? Um, And as a result, they are pickier with how their data is is tracked, and they want to to know and see a correlation, a strong correlation between the data that's being tracked, uh, that's being collected on them, and uh, what they're getting in return, right? So if by tracking my data, you make my life so much easier and so much better, I don't mind you tracking uh, everything about me, right? Or so, so much about me, right? Um, the, the frustration or the pickiness of millennials is when uh, data, all kinds of data is being collected. And then um, I still have to enter in a bunch of information when I'm filling, so, when I'm buying something, I still have to make all these preferences over and over and over again. Um, and that's where the frustration comes in. And I think it's because millennials are more, um, educated around that. And, and so they, they want to know what their data is being used for. So, back to the question if, um, if travel, when you travel, a lot of data is being collected on you, but none of it is being used to benefit your travel, or very, very little of it relative to other industries. Um, so, that's why when we emphasize that travel companies need that data, um, it, it's, uh, it's actually quite powerful for the traveler because who's servicing you at the end of the day? It's not an intermediary that provides back-end software. It's the hotel that you're staying at. It's the airline you're flying with. Or it's the actual website where you're, you're buying that travel. It's it's more important at those two ends than it is in the middle, yet it's most of it is being bottlenecked in the middle. And that's where the disconnect happens. And that's why it's important for suppliers, hotels and airlines to have that data so they can service you better. Can you imagine you show up and instead of the hotel, um, asking you, hey, is this the first time you're staying with us? And you're like, no, I've actually stayed here a hundred times. Or, you know, like they would actually have very specific information and they can service you better because that 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 is being collected anyways. Somebody knows that you've stayed there a hundred times. It's just not somebody who you're facing.
0: How about, his a question about the LEAF tokens. Why should you use these tokens instead of my credit card or cash?
2: So, I, I want to answer you know, kind of the same question, but on a, on a different level. So, so today we had, um, with Pedro we had a conversation about prime numbers, for example. I'm, I'm, uh, I love math. And, and we had this discussion about how we use today, we use prime numbers all the time. In encryption, right now we have this video call and, and algorithms that use prime numbers are used in this communication. But they were discovered hundreds of years ago and for hundreds of years, they had absolutely no use, right? So for maybe 16 people, uh, mathematicians, they loved playing with them. And, uh, uh, but in real life, they have absolutely no use, right? But today we use them all the time. And what I'm trying to say here is that what we're building here at Wining Tree is all sorts of different building blocks. Tokens that carry data is not necessarily something that customers or hotels will have to deal with. right? It will be one of the building blocks that will carry information from one place to another in an interesting way. Um, and we're exploring a variety of different ways how to do that and why to do that. And our project is about building, creating those building blocks and showing it to engineers. And, and at our hackathon that happened uh, you know, two, three weeks ago, uh, we had about how many 80 to 100 people or so, engineers from trial companies, who came to our event to learn about those building blocks. And then uh, we had about 12 different projects built using those building blocks, including the token, including the, the infrastructure that we have. And, and the value of all these things that we're doing here is kind of um, the guy in the comment, unfortunately, I don't remember his name. He says, oh. What's Colin? Uh, what's in it for me? What's in it for, for the small guy right now? Why would I use one tree, right? And I understand that as a small hotelier, uh, perhaps they don't want to, and they don't have resources to uh, participate in what I call here is, is fundamental science, right? So those prime numbers, that was fundamental science. There is no real use. And today we have, I don't know, Large Hadron Collider. That you know uh, smashes particles together at huge energies, and there is no real use to that stuff. Uh, uh, you know, a bunch of geeks in uh, France and Switzerland—they're just running around and uh, you know discussing all those things. And that's that's about it. That's a few hundred people around the world that that are interested in that stuff. Why? A, uh, why me? Why a small guy would want to participate in that research? Perhaps not, but there's a lot of value in that science in learning about things. And perhaps in the future in 10, 20, maybe hundred years, there will be huge breakthroughs because of that science that we're doing today. And here um, we talk to a lot of trial companies and, and we do have this dichotomy all the time, short term versus long term, you know, some companies come to us and say, well, uh, it's, uh, you know, fun and games what you're doing, but how can I benefit right now? And our answers vary in complexity. Uh, One of the the answers is, well, we're building something like um, a network of trial companies, right? Right now, when you join, you will be company number maybe three or five, right? There's not a lot of value in a network in the internet where there's only five companies, right? But definitely there is no value at all when there is only one company that's in the network. And that's why we need uh, hundreds of companies to collaborate together, to work together, to create a network that will actually have network effects, right? Uh, right? That will happen over time, right?
0: So, okay. so let me see if I understand. Uh, maybe Pedro, you can clarify. So to answer his question about the credit card and his cash, he's not, the average customer is not going to pay with LEAF tokens.
2: Not necessarily. They could. They could uh, elect an option to, to pay with LEAF tokens theoretically okay. uh but, it's, but it's, it's not
1: practical it's and not scalable. scalable right now yeah forcing crypto at the forefront of the consumer level uh, is 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 not practical today it's fun for like hackathons that are crypto crowd for example we did one in berlin where right. uh, we allowed the hotel to accept lift tokens for payment and it was significantly cheaper right but it was also significantly more complex to book that that hotel room because of the nature of crypto is just clunky today, right? Right. And and Colin is
2: right. I think he mentioned also, he touched on the complexity of owning those tokens, right? So an average consumer today won't won't be able to do that. They would not have the time, the resources to educate themselves about all those things. It will be the future. Again, it's with every new technology, let's say we're transitioning from punch cards to some sort of magnetic disks. The questions were absolutely the same. Why would I do that if everyone uses punch cards? And why? <laughs> what would be the benefit for me to use those magnet, new fancy magnetic disks or tapes if no one else is using it? But of course, the, you know, technology progresses all the time, and it, it will happen gradually uh, over time. The transition will happen. And today, we're still in early stages of, of the blockchain technology.
0: Okay. Now, he goes on, and he goes off on a little bit on a tangent. He talks about, he says how does this simplify technology matters for the little guy the folks on the ground trying to give tours around their country he says google lets lets them sell adwords to the world airbnb lets them host their houses worldwide and yet winding trees busy crapping on google give me a break (laughs) i don't understand what he really means by that but maybe you do
2: right so I, i think that happened in the traveling industry several times the the little guys sometimes not so little um uh, hotels by saying that we are not interested in the technology uh they they basically outsource the technology research to other companies right so um they said someone else will do that for us basically right uh we don't have the resources we don't have time to educate ourselves about technology so uh, and that's why those companies like uh, Priceline and Expedia uh, came to be, because they did, actually did invest in the technology and now they're collecting rent, uh, right? So I think the, the, the math here is simple, if you will, right? Uh, we live in a world that is run by technology. We live in a technological world. By saying, no, I don't want to do anything about technology, is like saying, I, I don't want to drive. I don't want to learn how to drive. But, but the world is just is, is, cars, you know, especially here in the United States, right? If you don't know how to drive, it could be more complicated. I guess you can survive still, right? My, my point is, if we don't do that, someone else will invest in the technology and someone else will become the intermediary. And and again, perhaps calling is not aware of what's going on in the travel industry, on the airline side, on the hotel side of things, but there are companies, very few companies, that both hotels and airlines are very frustrated with. Just uh, about a week ago, uh, there was a piece of news about Sabre acquiring fair lodgings. And uh, it's, it's, uh, it just shows me how the industry is still striving for centralization. And a lot of airlines are concerned about this centralization because, of course, a monopoly, uh, Well, let's say there are two or three companies uh, right now out there that can perform certain tasks in the airline industry or in the hotel industry. It's not just one, but still there is a huge amount of centralization and, and they, those companies, they do abuse their power. And I wrote about it extensively. Uh, maybe Colin could go onto my LinkedIn profile. There are a few articles about that over there. And we know that we did our research and we talked to the hotels, we talked to the airlines, and a lot of people, the majority of the people that we talked to, in fact, are concerned about those companies in the airline industry, in in uh, the hotel industry, and they're concerned about Google because Google being a uh, very large company, very tech-savvy, one of the most advanced companies in the world in terms of technology. And guess why they're so, so big and so hugely profitable? And that's, it's one of the biggest companies in the world. Why? Because they did care about technology, as well as Apple, as well as companies like Facebook, et cetera, right?
0: Um, now hold on. L- let me get to his last point, and then I have one other question. But um, yeah. Pedro, you you live in Texas, and there they have oil. And Colin is saying this whole thing, this winding tree, and probably I imagine also cryptocurrencies for that matter. He's just going to throw in everything, or even blockchain for that matter, is snake oil. Mm. In other words, it's just. Uh, it's just a story. There's no real meat behind this. It's just a fad and it's all going to pass away. And so when people say, hey, winding trees are snake oil, you guys are all snake oil stuff. How do you respond to that? Because obviously for the average consumer, they don't see any real progress. They don't see how this is going to change or disrupt anything on a practical level. Pedro, how do you respond to that? I think the,
1: the, the shortest response is, is a saying that our CTO and our developers throw around a lot in the office at Winding Tree is um, talk is cheap, show me the code. Um, and, and this is something that we've been emphasizing because in, in travel, blockchain is entering just like in, in, in almost any other industry today. There's a lot of blockchain projects. There's a lot of uh, companies doing private blockchain projects with uh, consultants uh, from big tech companies and so on. Um, and so that question is thrown around a lot. Like, what are we actually doing with blockchain? And one of the things that we've been educating people around is the importance of open source. Right? If um, snake oil is only possible if uh, nobody knows where that oil is and uh, nobody has access to it. Right? But we are all of our code is openly available. Um, and everything we do is is publicly available. For example, you asked about recording the discussion today when we hopped on the call, and we said, sure, we have no qualms about uh, sharing uh, to the world, and I think that that's the way it should be. I think that if a blockchain project is not open source, it isn't serious, uh, in my opinion. Um, And and, and that's something we've gone to great lengths to show and make everything available. And the hackathon, for example, that was one of the really cool things about it was all of those uh, 11 or 12 projects, they, um, they were all contributing open source code that is going to be available to the industry. Um, and I think that's beautiful. That's, that's the way we should be going if we want to compete. Or, but The vision is for folks to eventually use travel as the measuring stick the way that they do today about Amazon. They say, you know, we want to be the Amazon of X, right? Um, what about the days when we can use travel as a reference point for advanced technology, which it isn't today by any uh, stretch of the imagination, but it was ahead of a lot of other industries back when it started when air, air, airlines first started booming um, We had a huge head start travel industry um, And I think that there's another opportunity now with uh, what we're doing with open source code and, and uniting around uh, solving industry technological problems
0: Fair enough. Oh, sorry. You're gonna... in
2: a great analogy. Yeah <laughs> I think if You know the ingredients of the snake oil and you know what they do and we provide all the tools for learning about snake oil, right? And by the way, also,
0: you're also non-profit, that's another thing. Most snake oil right. people are, not, are for-profit industries, by definition.
2: Correct, <laughs> correct, absolutely, yes. But we are a nonprofit foundation, and our goal is to just, well, to me, uh, it's, it's introducing fundamental science in the travel industry because no one does it. Like, everyone is concerned about their short-term, what do we do to, you know, increase... Uh, the share price or you know ROI for, for investors or our companies. How about long-term? Well, p- people Unfortunately in the travel industry, I think tend to forget about long-term. They're, they're too concerned with the short-term profit Sometimes understandably so especially for again We're talking about little guys but big companies that have a lot of resources that have some leeway and there are some big and profitable companies in the travel industry I think they're not up to the task at all, uh, un- unfortunately. There is very little uh, fundamental science that's done there, so we're trying to change
0: it. Okay, and then now the last comment, this came in from Gary Arndt, who's a very famous travel blogger. He wrote on my Facebook page on a, as a comment regarding the Winding Tree initial podcast that we did. He says, I am willing to bet money that Winding Tree does not disrupt the travel industry or any other or actually he's talking about not just pointing tree blockchain technology will not disrupt the travel industry or any other industry for that matter so so he's just making a blanket statement about blockchain a a grand skepticism about blockchain
2: right so uh what was it when thomas edison was presenting his invention the light bulb uh to some committee in england they say they said there is no practical application of this technology for a sane person, right? Of course, there are hundreds of those people that say those things about uh, about all sorts of different technologies, not maybe just blockchain, right? And to me, it's um, either irrelevant to say those things because if that technology doesn't change any, anything, like why muse about it? Or you're wrong. I I don't know why just because like a, just, so to me. What is innovation? Innovation is trying out as many things as possible. Things, of course, that make sense. And a blockchain makes a lot of sense to a lot of very, very smart people around the world. Uh, you go but, to- Hold on,
0: hold on, Max. I think what he's trying to get at is maybe there might be some backend changes. I'm, 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 I'm putting words in Gary's mouth here, but he right. might be thinking that, okay, fine. It might change the backend databases and that kind of stuff. But from the customer's perspective, the travel industry on a practical level won't be changed at all. I'm still going to play with my Visa MasterCard or my, my, my debit card. I'm still going to log on the Internet. I don't know. Nothing really. I'm, you know, Paris is still Paris. <laughs> so,
2: my point is uh, I, I, would, I would highly recommend for those people that, that tend to just throw those blank statements and, and to people who who make reasonable comments, like Colin, he's asking, and he's trying to learn. I, I, I definitely understand where he's coming from. To actually try and learn something about the blockchain, to read some of the blogs, uh, look up maybe some of our talks, uh, some articles that we wrote. We, we reference a lot of smart people, very, very smart people. Nassim Taleb, uh, who wrote a bunch of best-selling books about economy, about technology, about... Uh, all sorts of things he believes that blockchain will change a lot of things
0: right Um, but there's there's also i think warren buffett i could be wrong if i don't i might be misquoting him but there's definitely smart people on the other side of the fence who are saying you know cryptocurrencies for example is not going to go anywhere it's a danger to society it's an environmental disaster and they're saying that as well right I, I, no, no, my opinion
1: is um I, I don't think any of us can say whether it will disrupt or not. Um and I think uh it would be it'd be wrong to say that it will hundred percent or that it won't hundred percent. Yeah. Um and I think it goes back to talk is cheap, show me the code. Um and uh I think until Product is being used and and saving uh, for companies in the industry. It will always just be a big question mark and we could talk about it all day but uh, Ultimately, what's going to disrupt or change anything is the code Um, and the important thing is that we're trying it's an experiment and we're um, Changing the industry uh, by providing this open-source environment and even if uh, even if we even if we fail the fact that we tried and um, and, and opened up this, this Pandora's box of, of ideas around open source and even changed the way a lot of the big players in the space look at the technology and approach uh, working with technology partners, I think will will still be a powerful gain and we'll have proven that assumption wrong, right? But I think the important it doesn't mean that we shouldn't try. Right. Um, because it is technology that um, contrary, like you mentioned Warren Buffett, there's a lot of uh, a lot of crap going around in, in either direction. Like, oh, you know, if Bitcoin doesn't go to Five hundred thousand by X year I will do X and others saying that you know it it's a total scam um, but for me what's what what catches my attention is not so much that the the you know the trump like um, tweets and, and so on it's more of the the uh, sheer immensity of the developer community around it um, this is not you know just a couple of developers and then a bunch of uh, investors talking. It's actually mostly developers and then some disconnected investors trying to sound like oracles, right? Which for me is quite fascinating. It's very different than a lot of other industries. In most industries, you have a couple of, of actual tech folk and then a ton of hype. Um, but we don't, we don't look at it that way. We see, oh, blockchain has hype. But if you look at the amount of hype talkers relative to the coders, it's much more code heavy than, than almost any other space. Um, and um, like the, the price, for example, going down all the time and everyone freaking out about it mm-hmm. is kind of funny when you consider that technology keeps growing by leaps and bounds. Yeah. Um, if you're at DevCon and you see the amount of, of folks there, it was interesting at the hackathon. We had guys from ATPCO, which do uh, pricing uh, for airlines and so on. They were saying it was the first time they had, of course, heard about blockchain a lot. Um, but, uh, they said until they actually sat down at our hackathon and there were people from swarm there from, um, Ethereum name service, it was, uh, quite a, quite a brilliant blockchain crowd and they were sitting down together and pulling them into the, to their project saying, Hey, can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? And they actually used swarm for their project. And they said, I didn't even know, like, I mean, theoretically I knew, but I didn't get my hands dirty until today. And that's what it's all about. It's about actually trying the technology and working with technology. I think talking less. And coding more.
2: Yeah, and to me, to me, it also boils down to experimentation. To um, that—that's what innovation is to me. And and we could talk about what is good, what is what is bad, what should work, what shouldn't work. But at the end of the day, is just building things and trying them out. And that's what entrepreneurship is about. That's what science is about. In science, we, we never say like, okay, here here's the thing. We one hundred percent sure that this is the truth, right? No, right. it's, it's not about that. We, well, also
0: science think. doesn't look at things and say, how can we make money off of this immediately? It's just like they just want to first understand how does this work? Can it do something, anything? <laughs> and then the, the, the whether it has a practical application is something that science doesn't really worry about initially.
2: Right. And there, the, the problem, I think, is that there is a learning curve. You know, you, you try and, and learn about Bitcoin and blockchain, and you immediately sucked into this whole of uh you know consensus algorithms and uh, proof of work and uh cryptography and i understand that for a lot of people they just give up right they're like okay no this is too hard and then they 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 make those blank statements. okay this is not rocket science if you dig a little deeper you don't have to go very far you dig a little deeper and uh a lot of those things make sense. Okay, and so we're going
0: to we're gonna have to come up with a new term called blockchain science. It's not rocket science. It's uh, blockchain it's, science. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's kind of like, like medium, in between in the medium middle. complexity.
2: <laughs> right. Um, I could send you a, a few links maybe after this call. I could send you a few links to articles where serious scientists and serious scholars are are discussing those things. and. Uh, they, they're discussing the implications of this technology on the society, on how people communicate, on how, uh, you know, economies work or how economies will change because of this technology. Uh, and it's already our our world has changed because of Bitcoin, because of blockchain. You know, now we have Ethereum. Now we have uh, all this interesting uh, developments in game theory and but variety I think, of different topics but uh, I, think also, I, like how, I like how Andreas Antonopoulos said that because of blockchain, because of bitcoin, um, we've seen in the past ten years the the biggest deployment of civilian public key cryptography. No one cared about public key cryptography ten years ago. Now a lot of people know what a pro- public key is, what a private key is how they're used, how they're used in cryptography and communication. Also, uh, also there's a
1: surge in the interest in economics and incentives and valuations, game VR, theory, currency, yeah. game theory, yeah. all of that has been uh, surging through the roof.
0: Yeah, no, and, and, and by the way, I guess the last thing that we should end on, well, I think the be- last thing was, is, is what Pedro says, we should stop talking and we just start acting. That was a I mean, great, so. uh, great thing, but, but before we stop talking, I also think it's a question of expectations. Uh, in other words, when some people hear disruption, they imagine yeah. complete, utter revolution on every scale. Like all of a sudden, it's going to be free to go to Paris and that everybody can go to Paris. <laughs> you know, for them, it, it or like, I don't have, I have to just think that I want to go to Tokyo and all of a sudden everything will happen. So <laughs> it, it, there is this, there's different levels of disruption and uh, maybe, the thing that people in, at Winding Tree and, and, and just in general in the blockchain space is to set a level expectation that it is revolutionary, but to a limit. <laughs> not going, it's going to change the travel industry, it's going to disrupt things, but not to some fantasy limit that maybe some people are thinking when they hear disruption.
2: Yeah, and, and I think also expectations, they have the, the time component there. So people think that yeah. that's going to happen tomorrow. And so maybe we should rephrase that that winding tree will disrupt the industry, but that process will take about 10, 20 years, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. I think also, uh, like to the point about the credit cards and everything, if, if you look at any of the really disruptive technologies when they came about, whether it's you know the internet or whether it was uh, cars, um, the implications weren't just, oh, I can get from A to B. It was, I could get fresh produce so much faster, delivery, like everything changed. It wasn't just getting from point A to point B, society changed as a whole. And I think if you look at the travel industry, there's kind of like a, a we're at a bottleneck. It's, it's, we're stuck technologically. And what we're, what we're um, our aim is to, to break up that, that, that bottleneck. And, and that's why disruption is used a lot, is to finally allow for that innovation from the grassroots. Cause that doesn't happen today. Uh, making that inventory and data available to uh, uh, sorry the data available to suppliers so they can actually personalize more um, and uh, making inventory available to startups so they can actually start playing around and building tools without having to gain permission uh, is is a pretty big change it means grassroots innovation and what those uh, innovators and startups and uh, big companies will do with that openness is yet to be determined but the, the implications could be huge yeah
0: right yeah. And, and I think, I think- Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Hold on one second, Max. I I just want to say that I think it's similar uh, building up the HTTP, you know, protocols and building up the infrastructure for the internet. The people who laid out the foundations, those early days of the internet had absolutely no clue that Facebook (laughs)
2: was
0: in a million years predicted that Twitter would exist or that you'd be able to do some you know, have this maybe even this video conference that we're doing right. and recording, whatever. Yeah. So many things happen in the internet that the inventors of the infrastructure could never have envisioned. And I think when Winding Tree talks about disruption and that kind of stuff and innovation, you guys have no clue. You who are helping mm-hmm. create this stuff have no frigging clue what might actually be offered in five, 10 years. But you know that probably something will happen.
2: Absolutely. So so first of all. I think it's a really ungrateful task. Try to predict the future, you know. <laughs> it's like so, so there are so many different versions of the future that, with the you know, a very good probability, going to be off by a lot, right? And again, we talked about Thomas Edison. We we can talk about the Mercedes, and they they said back in the day when they were just starting that um, they they. Predicted that there will never be more than a one million personal cars around the globe because it's never going to be a massive scale. The the uh, Wright brothers they never thought they said no this this technology uh, flying from point A to point B will never be a massive technology. It's just going to be a toy. They they, about, they never thought.
0: How about Thomas Watson, the co-founder or the founder of IBM? He said the the, the world market for computers is less than five or something like
2: that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so experts in their industries never thought that that their industries will be large, larger than a certain number. You know, it just doesn't make any sense. And I agree with you, and that's why I agree with you that we don't know, and we don't want to know. It's not our business to try and predict what kind of things people will be building on top of the t- technology that we're creating, um, because we can't. And all we can do today is just to, to, to create that stuff and see what's going to happen. One of my favorite mathematical uh, concepts uh, is Conway's Game of Life, right? So uh, look it up, guys, whoever is watching this video. It's Conway's Game of Life. It's a, um, it's a game, right? That has four simple rules. But based on that four simple rules, tremendous tremendous complexity can be built Uh, I don't know how to illustrate it right now because uh, it's it's uh, complex but look it up it's amazing Um, and so yeah so today all we can do is just to build those things and uh, and uh, not distract ourselves with trying to predict the future
0: and that concludes this episode of the wander learn podcast where we explore travel technology and transformation if you'd like to see the show notes with links to what we talked about or if you'd like to comment on the show or if you'd like to ask me a question then go to wanderlearn.com and click on the latest episode. If you'd like to connect with me, just remember FTapOn. That's my first initial and my last name. F. Tapon is the username I use on all social media. You can also get to my website by going to ftapon.com. Here's one last reason to remember FTapOn. If you like what I do and want to get rewarded for supporting my projects, then go to patreon.com slash, yep, you guessed it, F. Tapon. That's where you can pick up some sweet rewards for as little as $1 a month. And remember, subscribing to the wander Learn podcast helps, but downloading each episode helps even more. Please share the podcast, review it, and sign up for my newsletter at wanderlearn.com. This show was edited by Rejoice Tapon. The music was composed by Eric Stratman. This is Francis Tapon, encouraging you to wander and learn.